Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Daniel chapter 8. But before we study chapter 8, let's look at chapter 7 just briefly and review the beast vision of Daniel. The beast vision of chapter 7 and the image vision of dream of Nebuchadnezzar go hand in hand. Notice the same scope of history is covered with some additional uh, thoughts and ideas in the seventh chapter in Daniel's vision. Nebuchadnezzar saw the great image whose head was gold and his arms and chest and breast was silver and his uh, belly and thighs of brass and his legs of iron and his feet iron and clay and an image with ten toes. And he saw a stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands and it hit the image in the toes, in the feet. And uh, um, the, the image was no more. It was like a wind takes a chaff and blows it away. And that stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. In interpreting that dream, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that he was the head of gold. He was the first empire. And that each division, each metal, represented kings and the kingdoms upon the earth. It's a history. What was to follow Nebuchadnezzar? And each one terminated into a kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar when he, when his kingdom, Babylonian kingdom fell, Medes and Persians took over. There was no break or continuity of the continuity in history. He reigned over the same territory, over the same people. All that was changed was the authority to rule, given to a different people to rule. The ones that had formerly been subjects, now, uh, the captives are now the uh, ruling party. And then the Medes, after the Medes and Persians, which was signified by the, uh, by the breast and the arms of the silver, there was the, uh, I mean, after Nebuchadnezzar, there was the Medes and Persians. And after the Medes and Persians, there was the, uh, Alexander, the great, the Grecian. And then after Alexander, the Grecian Empire, there was the Roman Empire. And the legs of iron, uh, uh, at the end of it, at the extremity, you had ten toes, and they were prominent in the vision. And then the stone uh, hit and became a great mountain. Then in the seventh chapter of Daniel, Daniel has a vision, and he sees uh, four beasts. The first vision uh, took care of the first three. And the second vision uh, took uh, the fourth beast uh, by itself. The first uh, beast was the Babylonian Empire, uh, which was the lion. The second, the bear, was the Medes and Persians. 
the leopard was the Grecian Empire. And then there was no beast to fit the description of what he wanted to tell uh, Daniel. Uh, there was no beast that he could point out in, in itself that would uh, fill that purpose. So uh, he describes him uh, as an exceedingly terrible and a ferocious beast, devouring, crushing, and uh, more terrible and more fierce than all of the other kingdoms. So that was the Roman kingdom. But now in the uh, Roman kingdom, we have instead of ten toes, we have that that will equal, it's equivalent to the ten toes. And that's ten horns on the, uh, on the head of this beast. And in, out of that ten horns, there was a little horn that uh, came up. And, uh, and so uh, from that horn... Daniel wanted to know, you know, especially there was that, that interested him because this was something new. He, he, I think Daniel was conscious that he was on uh, familiar territory because he had interpreted the uh, the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. You see, but now then this dream, this part now, he wanted to know. He didn't understand. He wanted to know the meaning of that. He didn't ask for the meaning of the first three uh, beasts, but he wanted to know something about that horn. Alright, now he beheld till uh, he saw thrones being placed, thrones being set up. Now you notice Nebuchadnezzar only beheld till the stone struck the image and predicted and made the statement that that image, that stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now at that point, Daniel Daniel's vision goes a little further and shows how that kingdom is set up. Thrones were placed. And he says, uh, And the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was like the fire of flame, and his wheels a burning fire. So there's judgment now uh, predicted in this vision. And uh, he uh, he beheld until he saw in the night vision one like the Son of Man come with the clouds of heaven and come to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom and all people, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now this is a kingdom he saw until one like the Son of Man come to the Ancient of Days who in turn gives to him a kingdom. A kingdom uh, that shall never be destroyed. Daniel was grieved. He was troubled. He, he wanted to know something uh, about this vision more in detail. And he asked... Uh, one that stood by, and uh, he was uh, given this interpretation. These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. And here's something new. Now this is the interpretation of it. He says, now these four beasts are four kings, four kingdoms that are coming upon the earth. And But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom 
and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. Daniel 7, verse 18. Now you see you have a uh, uh, one kingdom being replaced with another kingdom in the two visions. In this second, uh, uh, in chapter 7, Daniel beholds until the king, one like the Son of Man, receives a kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom. And then the, the ter- interpretation not only says that the Son of Man receives the kingdom, but verse 18 tells us that the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. In other words, conjointly, concurrently, the saints of the Most High reign with the Son of Man. It's a universal, uh, everlasting kingdom. Now, he says, Then I would know the truth of the forest beast, which was diverse from all the other. Now, he wants to know. So you have two verses. We have two verses of explanation, interpretation, and Daniel interrupts and wants to know uh, about this fourth beast, and uh, which divide and break in pieces and stamp the rest with the with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three even of the first of that horn that had his eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to, to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. We're further told here that before the saints actually possessed the kingdom, there is going to be one that's going to make war with the saints. And uh, we noticed uh, last uh, uh, time uh, the connection, uh, the parallel uh, of this little horn out of the fourth kingdom that came up among the ten, that uh, he's the same person that comes up out of the sea in Revelation 13. And uh, so... And now this description about that man, that Sehorn, that's going to persecute the saints. He's the one that's going to wear out the saints of the Most High. See, that's the tribulation period. That's the time of the end. That's the indignation. That's during the period of the abomination of desolation. All right. Then he says, uh, uh, the fourth, uh, the fourth king, fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. Talking about that little horn you see in, in Revelation 13.1. Uh, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wire out the saints of the Most High to think to change times and laws. Uh, and uh, Revelation 13.1 says that all that don't uh, worship the beast see, will be slain. And it says all worship the beast except those whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. See, those whose names were not there worship the beast. And then 
in the seventeen, then in the same chapter, it tells that all who worshipped the beast, uh, all who failed to worship the beast, were slain. All right, but notice uh, Daniel says, and the kingdom, verse twenty-seven, and the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now, despite the fact that they were warned against, the saints, in Daniel's vision, possessed the kingdom. And that's the interpret, and that's the interpretation that God gave uh, to Daniel. So, we notice this theme is, earthly kingdoms one power reigning conquering he gets strong and then he gets self-sufficient and then another kingdom rises up and captures it devours him supplanted by another just like the Babylonian kingdom the media Persians the Grecian then the Romans and then that Roman kingdom according to this prophecy had ten kings that we don't know. That hadn't been seen. That's not history yet. It was in the days of those kings, see, that the little horn makes his appearance. That's when the beast comes up out of the sea. And that's when the other beast, uh, the religious, uh, uh, it's just his henchman. He's just a servant of the, of the first beast. He uh, has power given him by the dragon, so much so that He's permitted uh, to bring to perform miracles, and he deceives the people that are upon the earth, the earth dwellers, not the elect. And they'll worship him; they'll fall for him. And uh, he uh, so much so that every person that thinks, "Oh, look what our king can do! Look what our man does! Look what our minister does!" because he's going to pose as an angel of light. He's the uh, appears as a as a, a sheep, he but that's what he, that's his look. But his voice inwardly is a dragon, and uh, the scripture says that all that dwell upon the earth, uh, they'll receive a mark, either in their hand or in their forehead. Otherwise, they don't buy or sell. Now that's living during the end times, the last days. I don't want that mark, you. Uh, everybody's the the number is six six six. It's the number of man. In other words, I don't think anybody will know what the number is until the time comes. Uh, the there's all sorts of maneuvering uh, mathematically because of taking Hebrew letters and Greek letters because there's no numbers in Hebrew or Greek. Like one, two, three, four, uh, either in the Hebrew language or the Greek language. But now, uh, see, that's like the Roman numerals. You've got it in some Bibles, you know, where you see 10, 20, 30, three X's. One X for 10, two X's for 20, three X. Alright. Uh, the letters, like, for instance, uh, A in our alphabet, uh, would be one. B would be the letter two. C, the letter 3, C. Alpha is 1, see. And uh, uh, you have uh, the word tri. It comes from the Greek word meaning 3. Deca, 4. 
See? Uh, well, the D, that's the letter, alphabet. So they just supplant it. Well, now, the word uh, Nero, uh, with uh, a little manipulation, which was, which is according to language, his number figured out exactly 666. And a lot of people uh, think Nero is going to be revived and come back. See, they preached that. They talked that. The people didn't believe that Nero was really dead. It got out that he just went over into uh, the what is now Nineveh in the area. I mean, ancient time was Nineveh, the, up the Mesopotamian Valley, and hid. And then finally he came back. And there was two men uh, appeared in history that claimed, went back to Rome and posed as Nero uh, revived and raised from the dead. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of interpreters, in interpreting Revelation 13, uh, claim that this beast uh, who was wounded and then revived, made alive, see, uh, that that's speaking of Nero. But that's, uh, uh, to me, that's far-fetched. I don't believe that that's the meaning, but I don't know. It's a number of... Uh, it's a number of man. It's a number of bees. Every number six, six, six. It's just short of seven, seven, seven. It's the highest that man can go, but short of completeness, perfection. Uh, so I, it'll be the number, his number, his bread. But they'll be branded. Well, tonight uh, we come to chapter eight. But uh, but you've got. In studying Daniel, you've got to keep that theme in mind. You've got to see that this the prophetic section is about these kingdoms. Now tonight in chapter eight, we're going to uh, the, uh, it'll deal with uh, the second and third kingdoms primarily uh, here in the beginning. So no, it's a further vision. It's a detailed vision of it. And he says, uh, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. Now you see, this goes back. Uh, beyond, uh, you see, the, uh, the, we've already studied the downfall of the Babylonian kingdom. See, Belshazzar was a Babylonian king. He was, no doubt, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. And, well, he's been dead. We found out tonight that he was killed when Cyrus came in. Well, Cyrus now was in, had come to power. Daniel, had served under Darius, see? Darius Mede. It was Darius that put Daniel in the lion's den that signed the order. He didn't want to. He was sorry of it, see? But after he did it, the Medes, the law of the Medes and Persians, why well, you don't change it. He was tricked. He was deceived into signing uh, the order in the first place, see? But after he signed it, well, he still believed that Daniel's God would deliver it. Well, now we've had that uh, uh, we've had that uh, history already before us, and that's under the second kingdom, uh, under the uh, under the Medes and Persia. So, but this vision now goes back beyond uh, the ascension of Darius uh, to the uh, uh, to the uh, throne, and go back into the Babylonian kingdom. In the third year of uh, Belshazzar, well, that was the year he was slain. The last vision was in the first year of Belshazzar. See, you go back to chapter seven. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. See, 
Now this is the third year. So this vision that we are reading, studying tonight, see, is two years after the vision in chapter seven. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. In other words, he's saying this one came after the other one. This uh, one in first year, Belshazzar. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision that I was by the river of Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. Now you see the beast, even in the stating of his dream, is a person. And it represents a kingdom, a power, that goes northward, see, westward and southward. He's going to, he's, uh, he'll tell you uh, a little later in the interpretation that this is the Medes and the Persians. This is that the second kingdom. Now you see, when he's dreaming this, they're not even in power. Belshazzar's ruling. He's seeing now what kingdom is going to follow Belshazzar and the Babylonians. He sees how this ram with the two horns, the two horns representing the two people that made up this empire, Medes and Persians. One horn was higher than the other, greater than the other. The Medes were stronger than the other. The bear in the previous vision, in the seventh chapter, raised itself on one side. Uh, and and then in that vision, that uh, uh, in the seventh chapter, Daniel saw... The, this uh, beast, the, uh, the bear, had three ribs in its mouth. It had caught something to eat. He had devoured something. He would conquered, alright? Here, Daniel sees him getting those three ribs, extending northward, westward, and southward, which was the kingdom of Syria and, uh, and uh, uh, Egypt, Egypt on the south, Syria on the north, and Asia Minor on the east. So, he says, uh, I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him. And then, in verse 5, he says, As I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Now, he sees this ram with the two horns. Now he sees a, a he-goat with a notable horn coming and, and they're going to clash. They're coming together. 
And he comes swiftly. In the seventh uh, chapter, Daniel saw a, a, a leopard. The third beast was a leopard. Uh, and it uh, uh, swiftly, it, uh, uh, it had wings. And it says he touched not the ground. In other words, he came so fast they didn't know where he was on, on the ground or, or in the air, so to speak. He was conquering. He was devouring. He was capturing the territory. Of course, uh, uh, and that referred to Alexander the Great. So now this he-goat that comes out of the West is uh, uh, is explained to us to mean and uh, Greece. And the notable horn is the first king of the empire. So the first horn, uh, the first king of the Grecian empire was Alexander the Great. You see, he was, a, he was the ruler. So it says... Uh, uh, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river. And the ram uh, and ran and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. And he cast him down on the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Now that shows you the... Uh, remember that this was given uh, Daniel uh, in the third year of Nebuchadnezzar's, of Belshazzar's reign. It's before the Medes and Persians came into power. And now then he's telling us about the Medes and the Persians and about the rise of the third empire, the Grecians. He says, uh, Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. That great horn, it was that notable horn, you see, that was between his eyes. That, uh, And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and it came and it came up, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now that's uh, rare. That's a that's a unique statement. That here was a man, here was a kingdom, that when it became great, it was broken. Well, now when a, a, a nation is strong, fortified, why it's the one that's breaking, devouring, and crushing other nations. But not so here. This horn, this nation, at the height of its power, the notable horn was broken. Ne uh, Alexander the Great, having conquered the Medes and the Persians, why uh, he uh, came into Babylon on a uh, vacation, having a good time, frolicking, and he got. Uh, history tells us that he was uh, died and they took pneumonia from being drunk and out in the streets in the weather and so on they took pneumonia and died when he was only 32 years of age but when he was strong you see his the horn was broken but no power did it it wasn't no kingdom uh, uh, broke uh, Alexander it was his own he he fell from within and that's the beginning of the downfall of every kingdom. 
It starts from within first. Even in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, you see Belshazzar. Morally, it, it fell inwardly before it fell outwardly from its power. Well, uh, <clears throat> verse 9 says uh, that, but notice, verse 8, the latter part says, four horns, four notable ones uh, came up. Uh, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Nebuch- uh, Alexander the Great had uh, four uh, first-class generals. Lysimachus, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Seleucid. Now, uh, Cassander got Macedonia and, he, and Greece. Lysimachus received Asia Minor. Seleucid received Syria. And Ptolemy received Egypt. They voluntarily uh, distributed the power in that fashion. All four men were satisfied with what they received. And so now when the notable horn was broken, four came up to replace him by his generals. All right, and out of one of them, now notice, out of one of them, out of one of these four, and it will be out of the Seleucid kingdom, it will be out of Syria, out of one of those, one, one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now you see, uh, this is talking about now the division of Alexander's kingdom. It's not the fourth beast, but he's, it's, uh, it's a division of the third uh, beast. It's a division of uh, Alexander's empire. See, it's still in power. It's still the Grecian kingdom. But now instead of one man over it, there's four. Four divisions. Now out of one of, uh, one of those kingdoms comes forth a little horn. And he waxes exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Well, that means that he went in conquest. He's beginning to exercise his, he thinks he's, uh, he's gonna dominate. He's got the idea of domineering, uh, becoming the greatest of the four. And, uh, so, and he goes to the pleasant land. The pleasant land is the promised land, is Palestine. Uh, and it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Now here you have symbols. Evident. Uh, evidently symbols. But now when some people uh, read, uh, come to a symbol, then they forget the reality, the literalness of language. And uh, then they start uh, preaching and teaching and, and symbols all together. But now you, when, when you come to symbol, interpret a symbol. When it's, uh, literal, uh, interpret it literal. Alright? It's literal when it makes good sense. Common sense. When it makes, uh, sane. When it's sane and sensible. But when, evidently, when you're talking about, uh, a, a host, or talking about a star, talking about sun or moon, 
in, in this sense, he waxed great even to the host of heaven. Now, he didn't, uh, he didn't go up in heaven. No, no. But, and it, uh, but now, the, uh, the host, you'll find, are, are the Jewish people. Now, he's, he, and the, uh, and those in authority, high places represented, such as the priest, and uh, the high priest, and the, uh, elders, and, and the rulers. Alright, it says, and it cast down some of the host, and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Well, now, this man, this little horn, in history, is Antiochus Epiphanes. He's the boy that comes into Jerusalem, and, and brings abomination of desolation. He's the boy that, uh, comes in and uh, takes the sow and offers it in sacrifice upon the uh, altar. See, but in doing so, he has several a lot of people put to death. He's waxing strong against the host of against the people whose God, see, is the God of heaven. That's uh, so he magnified himself even to the prince or against the prince of the host, and that's the Lord Jesus. That's God. He magnified himself against God, see. Uh, and, of course, they had, he put up, uh, he caused them to worship him, you know, when they uh, tore down the, when he put that altar uh, in, in Jerusalem. And uh, so, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down, that is, Antiochus did, cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. And I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto, uh, unto that, a certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation? In other words, how long will Jerusalem uh, be desecrated? How long before we can cleanse the temple? How long will it be before we can get back in there to worship? How long is this Antiochus Epiphanes going to uh, rule over Jerusalem? And, uh, and here's the answer. And he said unto me, unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Twenty-three hundred days. Antiochus Epiphanes came to power in 170 B.C. 170, 167 B.C. He sent his general Apollonus into Jerusalem, captured it, and did this sacrilege, this desecration of the temple. Judas Maccabees, in, uh, uh, on December the 25th of 164 B.C., cleansed the temple, captured, overrun Antiochus Epiphanes, came back to Jerusalem, and the Jews asserted their religious rights once again. And until from that day until this, every December the 25th, instead of the Jews having Christmas, they celebrate Judas Maccabees' 
uh, this event where Judas Maccabees entered the temple and uh, cleansed it, washed it, restored it, put back uh, and worshipped uh, worship God once again. That's their Christmas. And there's a lot of history about that. And you read in the um, book of the Maccabees and Josephus' history and, and others. But the point is, from the time that uh, that this Greek general, Antiochus, sir, uh, soldier, general, went into Jerusalem until the time that Judas Maccabees cleansed the temple was 2,300 days. So, uh, that's the... Uh, 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 the the <laughs> and well let's see overall I believe it's uh, let's see I make about three hundred uh, three and a half years the the whole time of it uh, which would uh, <laughs> uh, which would be more uh, but but that's the period that's the time uh, element involved in, in in the 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 days here they're literal days they're not year days. <laughs> They're not uh, uh, indefinite time. They're actually the Greek, uh, uh, the Hebrew says evenings and mornings were twenty three hundred. Twenty three hundred evenings, twenty three hundred morning. So that makes twenty three hundred days. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.